0: Are you ready to hear something from God today? All right, this will be coming from the Word of God in the region of 1 Samuel. So if you have a Bible and you want to open up, you can look there. I'm going to talk through some really important things that God is leading us into as a church. I have been praying, praying, praying constantly for this. When I get up in the morning, I'm praying about it. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm praying about it. As I'm driving my car around town, I'm praying about it. I want, sorry to wake you up there, I want the presence of God in our church so much. I want so much the presence of God to transform our lives so that when we go out the door and go to our homes and to to work, that it changes things. That there's so much of Christ in me that other people are drawn to it. Not drawn to me, me, but drawn to Christ in me. I so much want to see that. I so much want to see that. Now, ancient Israel had the presence of God with them. And we talked about the ark last week. The ark of the covenant and Does anybody remember what an ark is? The actual definition of ark? Box. It's a box. It's a box. So, Noah's ark, you could translate Noah's box. It's a big box that carried a bunch of people and animal in it, animals in it. That's what it was. A big box. It wasn't a boat. It was a big box that floated. Well, this is a different kind of ark. God told Moses how to build it. And so Moses did. It was covered in gold on the inside and the outside and it was made of acacia wood and it had certain dimensions a few feet long and a couple feet wide and it was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. And so it kind of looks like a, yeah, thank you. It kind of looks like a, Small coffin. <laughs> and inside it were kept the stone tablets that God had given Moses with the Ten Commandments, a jar of the manna that God had provided, and then Aaron's rod, which was a staff that actually budded and grew almonds on it. So I was like, wow, this is, you know, three major miraculous things in the ark. And archaeologists all talk about the Ark. They, they want to know where it is. And some people believe, and it could be true, that the Ark today is in a town called Aksum in Ethiopia. That it actually made its way down from Jerusalem during the time right before the, um, the capture of Jerusalem made its way down to Egypt and then from there down to Ethiopia. And in fact, in Ethiopia, they, they, every, uh, church in the north of Ethiopia, they have a copy of it. So that nobody really knows which one is the real one. <laughs> and they bring it out every year and they do these parades and, and we see that here in the picture. But it's not what's in the ark that matters. If we had the ark today, it wouldn't mean the same thing. If we had it right here, right now. We could charge a lot of money for people to come look at it, (laughs) but it wouldn't be the point. It's not what was in the ark, it was what was on the ark. Because on top of the ark was a lid where the angels, the cherubim, angel on one side and on the other side, with their wings stretched out, and then right in the middle of that came the presence of God. That's where God came and sat right there. That's what makes the ark so special. God's presence. So, the ark isn't with us. The ark was there in Israel at one point. But you know, the thing that really counts for us today is to find his presence to invite His presence into our meetings, into our home, into our life. We need His presence. I am so serious about this. The Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then there's a promise. Do you guys know what that is? What happens? You will be filled. You'll be satisfied. You hunger for righteousness, you will be filled. You will have it. It'll come to you. You'll be satisfied. (sighs) Do we need some righteousness around here? (laughs) We sure do. We need it. We need it in our country. The hate and the violence that's been going on in our country. I hope you're hungry for righteousness. I hope you're asking for it every day. But you know, when we are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, the only package that righteousness comes in is in Jesus himself. So when you're hungering for righteousness, you're hungering for him. For him in your life. I said this last week. It's just so good, i got to say it again. We love the blessings of God and we want the blessings. But you know, more than the blessings, we want him, the blesser. The blessings are nice, but the blessor is the best. It's really the answer. Can I get a hey-yo? All right. (laughs) Okay, so I want to tell a story about this ark, and I want you to think along with me about it. The ark came out of the desert. They formed it, fashioned it there, came with Israel into the land of promise, known today as Israel. And it was set up in a tent. It was kept there. The priests and the Levites were supposed to take care of it and all the, all the stuff that went with their worship. And the presence of God was supposed to be there on top of that ark. But there came a time where the people just didn't care. And the priests didn't care about it anymore. And it was a time right before the prophet known as Samuel came along. There was a priest by the name of Eli. Now, Eli was kind of getting up in years. And he had an idea of what he should be doing, but he didn't really do it. And he didn't see that it happened with his Children. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas. Two sons grew up to be grown men serving alongside with the ark there and and the people of the temple or the, the tabernacle. And people would come and bring their offerings. And Hophni and Phinehas would send their servant because the priests, by the way, they the food they got, they didn't have their own food. They would eat what the people brought as offerings. And But they got real greedy. And they said, instead of um, waiting for the offering to be made, did you guys know about how that works? The people would make offerings, and then they would bring the sacrificed animal into a place where the family who made the offering would eat it and they would share it with the priests. That was basically how it worked. Well, Hophni and Phinehas didn't want to wait for that and they wanted the best part of the meat for themselves. So they'd send their servant to go with a big fork and he would go and he would take for himself what he wanted before it was even offered as a sacrifice. And then... Uh, the people, if they said, "Hey, wait, wait, I'll, I'll give you a portion of this after we after we have the sacrifice time," because they came to offer a sacrifice to God, and the servant said, "No, I'll take it now. Uh, I'll take it by force if you don't just let me take it." So that was one of the things that was going on. That's like me coming over here saying, "Christy, I want your tithe right now. Give it up. Give it up now. Give it. Give it. Give it." Oh, she's such a good girl. Um, that, that would be so rude of me, wouldn't it? Because you need to offer your a tithe. Offerings are offered from yourself, from your heart, as an act of worship, as Judy was saying. For me to take it is no good whatsoever. That's wrong. Well, that's why we receive offerings here. We don't take an offering. We receive offerings. So Hophni and Phineas also, would engage, there were women who would serve in the tabernacle, and they would engage in sexual promiscuity with those women who served in the tabernacle. Now, is it any surprise to you that the presence of God wasn't in the house? The box was there. The box was there. The, I assume the tablets and the other things were inside the box, but there was no presence there. So they have a big war. There's a battle coming up. This is all found in Samuel 4 and 5. First Samuel. So the Philistines come and attack Israel. And they are defeated on one day. And they said, I know what we'll do after the first defeat. Tomorrow we'll go back to war. But this time, and this had happened in the past, so they said, okay, this is going to work. We're going to take the ark into battle. And we're going to whip these Philistines out of the because God's going to be with us. He's going to fight for us because that's the promise. God will fight for us. Except they made one vast, horrible miscalculation. God wasn't there anymore. They had the box, but they didn't have God. They took the box out to go fight, and the Israelites are just screaming. They're stomping the ground, and the Philistines are getting scared. And they heard the rumor, hey, they brought their god to come fight this war today. Oh, Philistines, were in big trouble. So they look at each other and say, we better fight really hard today, or we're, or we're all going to get killed. So they went into battle, and the Philistines killed 30,000 Israelites that day. They killed Hophni and Phinehas and they took the ark and they took it back to their land of Philistine. Interesting story, huh? It's the judgment of God. Now, I want to make a little parallel today. All right? (laughs) Where is God today? Where is He? Where is He? He's supposed to be in us. But, you know, I'm afraid that sometimes... We don't live lives where God wants to come live because of the things we get involved in and of the compromise and the sin that's in our life. Now, if we sin, I want to make something really clear. God doesn't love us any less if we sin. He still loves us. He still loves you when you make your mistakes. He still loves you when you fail and you do things that you're ashamed of. He still loves you. But He can't stay there if we blow Him off and live just however we good and well feel. He can't stay there in our life when we lying, cheating, compromising, getting involved in all these wayward things. The blessing of God goes, but worse than that, His presence goes out of our life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And this has happened in our land. This has happened in our country. There isn't a desire for God. There's actually a rejection of God. Don't talk about Jesus in a public setting. Don't talk about God. We don't have time for prayer to God in our public settings. We don't want it. I'm not saying you don't want it, but that's that's the message that comes out of our country today. And so because of that, his presence is going to lift off of us. And with that will come any blessing and favor. It's going to lift off. It's going to disappear. Well, the day that this terrible battle happened in Israel, The day that that happened, the news came back to the town where Eli was sitting, and he was so nervous because he was sitting by the side of the road waiting to hear what happened. And a man rushed in, gave the news to the village, and he heard the people crying out, lamenting. And, and And Eli, who was mostly blind and also very heavy, it says. You know why Eli was blind and heavy? It's because his boys were always taking the fat of the food and he was eating it all. And that's what happened. And so he he was not fit to lead. And I'm afraid, I, I'm confessing this, that our church, and I'm not just talking about this one, I don't want it to be this one, but the Church of America is blind and fat, (laughs) out of shape, not fit, not hungry for God. We've been filling ourselves with Big Macs and fries rather than the food of God, the manna of heaven. Well, the news came to Eli finally. And when he heard about it, he fell over backwards and broke his neck and died. On the same day, Phineas, Hophni, Eli died. And on the same day, the wife of one of those boys was giving birth. She went into early labor because of the the bad news that she heard about her husband being killed. And she died while giving birth to a son And the ladies who were helping her give birth tried to tell her, hey, it's okay, you have a boy, you have a boy. And she didn't care. And she named him Ichabod, which means the glory of God has departed. Chabad means glory. Ichabod, the glory has departed. So Israel was caught in this terrible situation where the only reason for them to live was gone. The presence of God was gone. Now, it's interesting. The story goes on from there, and there's so many. It's, it's really cool to do a Bible study of all this. But as they went along, the ark was gone to the land of the Philistines, but <laughs> the Philistines totally suffered because of the ark being there, they got tumors, (laughs) they got all kinds of horrible things happened to them. And they said, we don't want this ark anymore. And they sent it back to Israel and it ended up in a town. And the people of that town said, yay, we got our ark back. They put it in there. And some guys, foolishly, they opened the lid, they looked in, 30,000 people died. Same number who died in that battle with the Philistines, who looked into the ark. You can't mess around with God's holiness. And that's a, a whole nother message right there. But the ark stayed there for 30 more years. During that time, a man named Saul became king. It's interesting about Saul. He was the king of Israel, but you know, he didn't care about the ark. He didn't care about the presence of God. He was a political figure who just wanted to please the people and have himself be lifted up. He was what the Bible calls a man-pleaser. That's a terrible fear, just to try to please people, because you can't do it. You can't please all the people. But anyway, Saul ended up in disaster, and God raised up another king by the name of David. Now, David was a man who really cared about God. He would talk to God. He would hear from God. He would write it down. He was a person who cared about justice. He cared about honoring God's name publicly. He was a giant killer in the name of God. He was a leader of an army in the name of God. Everything David did was for God's honor. Now, David was hungry for God. And uh, he got to encounter God. And God blessed him in everything he did. So there came a time, I'm covering a lot of material. Are you guys still with me? Okay. Covered a uh, a lot of detail here, but there came a time when David became king. And he combined Israel back together after it had been split. And he got to a place of authority and power. And the first thing he wanted to do was he said, let's bring the presence of God back here. Let's bring the presence of God back into Jerusalem and let's honor the Lord the way He's supposed to be honored as a nation. Saul didn't care. David cared and there's another promise that Jesus gave us and I want to plant this in your soul today blessed are the pure in heart blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God that's what I want that's what I want I want you and me To have our hearts pure. To come to God every day. Give Him our best time. Give Him the best portion of our life. And let Him come into our life so that we can see Him. Because when we see Him, then we can do what He's doing. When we hear Him, we can say what He's saying. That's what we need, folks. We need it so much. So... I want to share a little story that kind of illustrates this. In India, there was a mission organization that bought some property and they wanted to establish this property for uh, sharing the gospel and as a base for their ministry. Well, on the property, there was a place, there was a, 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 well, a place where a spring of water had come up, but it was stopped now. And, they wondered what was going on, why has it stopped, and they did some investigation, and they found that the place where the spring had been was all clogged up with old machinery and garbage. People, for some reason, had dumped a lot of garbage and, and broken down machinery over the place of the spring where the water had come. So they said, well, we've got to have water here. So they said, let's go and clean it up. So they got a day where a bunch of people came and they started to clean up the well, the spring. And they discovered there were cobras all over the place. And they couldn't even start cleaning up till they got rid of the cobras. So they had to get some people to help them with that. Got rid of the cobras and then they got in and they started to do the heavy lifting. They opened up the place where the spring was. It took... It took a couple of days to get all the work done. And then they were thinking, uh, when they finally got it all finished, they were thinking, okay, tomorrow maybe we'll see some, like a pool of water there. That would be so fun, so cool if if it were opened up. And when they came the next morning, they didn't see just a pool of water. There was a stream running from that spring. And a, a stream ran where there had been no spring before. So listen, brothers and sisters, men and women. God responds to your purity. To your cleaning out of yourself. If, if you have a desire to see God, you can go to that place where the spring of water used to come. But you have to clean it out, but you're going to need a little help. Because if you've let it clogged up, the cobras have gotten in there. And you're going to have to ask God who's the cobra. Uh, what should we call him? <laughs> the cobra catcher. The snake charmer. He gets you cleaned up of those cobras. And then you got to go in and do the heavy lifting. And say, I'm going to stop doing this in my life. I'm going to stop watching movies I shouldn't watch. Whew. I'm going to stop compromising in my brain with these lustful, Thoughts. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop gossiping about all the people who irritate me. I'm going to stop cursing and swearing all the time. You start purifying your life. And before you know it, you know what? You're going to start feeling that bubble of water coming out again. Man, I want to see that. I want to see that in our lives the water, the stream of living water coming out and flowing through our land. And not only will that bless you, it's going to bless the people around you, your friends, your family. It's going to be amazing. David was a man who wanted to see that in his kingdom. Now, God was with him, and God was blessing him, but he wanted something more. You see, he won all his battles because he listened to God He did what God said, and he would win the battle. But David wasn't satisfied with just that. He wanted God's presence in his country. He wanted God's presence in his land, in his city. And so when he heard about the ark, he says, we've got to get that back. So he tried to get it, failed the first time because they weren't doing it the right way. And God was making a point. You have to do things the way I say. And that's a whole nother sermon there. David became greater and greater for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. That's 2 Samuel 5. God was with him because he obeyed God. So what makes a person great? What's going to make our church great? The presence of God. We're going to obey Him. We're going to do what He says. Even if we feel awkward about it. Even if we're feeling, oh, that's just too far out for me. If we obey Him, He's going to open up a door and we're going to get the spring of living water to come through. David was a man who yearned for God, for God to be with him. One little more story about the ark. He tried to bring the ark in. They failed because they tried to bring it in on a cart instead of on the shoulders of the priests. And the guy who put his hand on the ark was killed right there. Man, David was upset. He said, how is this going to happen? How can the ark of God come to me? And all of Israel was scared, saying, Boy, this is, this is weird. This is scary. And so the the ark stayed in the home of somebody named Obed Edom. And after three months, David heard, Hey, everything in Obed Edom's house is being blessed. He's becoming really prosperous. He's really being blessed. Great things are happening to this guy. And, you know, David might have thought, Well, I can't have that ark. Let's put it in the home of this foreigner over here. Let's see what happens. And Obed Edom was blessed, blessed, blessed. So David said, okay, let's try again. And they did it right this time. And they were able to bring the ark in to Jerusalem. And David had a place for it. They put the ark there. But here's a little story about the ark that goes around this that I want us to hear. The day David brought the ark into Jerusalem, he was dancing. I will dance forevermore. Hey, yo. He brought the ark in and he was dancing like crazy. He was so happy. He was so excited, so full of joy. But his wife wasn't happy. She looked down at him and said, what a stupid looking fool. He's supposed to be the king of this nation and he's dancing like nobody's business. He's looking foolish. And she gave her criticism to him, good and strong. When he came back all happy, he was all happy, ready to bless his family. And she looked at him and said, you stupid fool, dancing like that. And the thing I want to take from this is when we receive the presence of God, in this place, some people could look at us and say, that's foolish. That's just stupid what what you guys are doing. In fact, people are already saying that probably. You guys are stupid. Meeting over there on Sunday. And I'm saying to you, it doesn't matter what people say. We're here to worship Him. And we're here to celebrate before Him. And our lives are going to be changed, transformed. Transformed as we receive the presence of God in our midst. So church, here's what I want us to see. We want to be people, men and women, who yearn for God, for God to be with us. And so let's start dancing. Let's start praising. Let's start welcoming His presence to the man or woman who wants God. God will come. God comes to those who are hungry. Are you hungry today? I hope I'm making you hungry. I hope I'm making you hungry. So David was blessed. The Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom. That was the guy where the ark had stayed for three months. By the way, every time you see the name Obed-Edom after that point, it's always in association with the ark. (laughs) David moved the ark, and Obed-Edom moved with it. He came to work in the tabernacle just so He could be close to the ark. I hope you and I can do the same thing. We need to follow His presence. We need to go with Him. We need to go with God wherever He goes. Families, we need you to become strong hospitable centers for the people who don't know the Lord to be able to come in and be helped and be trained to be the kind of place that Does what you need to do to bring the Lord's energy and direction into their lives. In order to do that, in your family, you need the presence of God in your house. I want the presence of God here in our meeting places, but we need it in our house. Older people, are there any older people in the room? We need you, we need you to share your wisdom. And most of all, to be excited about the youth and what they're doing. You come behind them with support instead of criticism. By the way, I just have to say, this building here, this property, gets beat up every Friday because those kids come in here and they're having a good time. There's about 30 of them who come every every Friday night and it leaves scars on the property. (laughs) And we're doing our best to try to contain that. But I want to thank you for your blessing. I want to thank you for allowing them to come. So, as they do, you come behind them with support instead of criticism. They will function better if they know you are supporting them, not laughing at them or against them in their efforts to serve God. We need you, older people, to pray, to encourage the youth. And we need you to impart the presence of God to the rest of the church. We need you to tell us what it was like in your history when you saw and experienced the presence of God and to share it with the rest of our church. We need you for that. And for the youth, here's what I'm going to say. For those of you who are youth here, we need you. You are the commandos. You are the marines. You are the strike force, the SEAL team. Go, Christy. You are the SEAL team that's going to go in, take risks, and you need the presence of God daily in your life to accomplish the mission that God has for you. You need to work with the gifts that God has given you. And I want to release that. I want to... Uh, empower that. I want to bless that. The presence will not come without the repentance of His people. The presence of God won't come when we're prideful. But it will come as we repent and as we turn from, we start clearing out the spring. Those things that don't... It, it re, God comes to brokenness and weeping. And that will usher in a true revival. Yesterday, we had a wonderful meeting of prayer with some of the elders. And there was a young man there who has been an alcoholic and has been drinking and making miserable choices in his life. And in the middle of our prayer, this was a beautiful thing. I could just feel God moving. He broke down and he began to weep and sob, gut-wrenching sobs of just remorse, and but better than that, repentance. He felt sorry for what he had done, but he was determined to change. And he told us after the prayer time, he says, I have spoken with my Father, and I'm now saying to you, up.' that's how he said it. I'm going to stop drinking, I'm going to stop smoking, And I'm going to live for Jesus. And I was so happy to hear that because this guy is powerful. He's got power. God has given him an anointing to lead in worship and to lead in very many ways. But he's been wasting that on alcohol and foolish choices for the past two years. And yesterday he came out and he said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And it took that. It took the tears it took the brokenness, and it took a declaration. And that's how things get changed. So church, will you stand up? And I just want to ask you to join me as Christy plays something here. I just want to ask you to join me. Would you please stand? And let's just declare to the Lord, let's just declare to Him, we're going to follow Him, we're going to repent, we're going to serve Him, and we're going to be the church that the presence of God can come into. Would you do that? Just repeat after me. Father, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Show me how I need to repent. Point out the things in my life that need to change. I want to be a spring of living water. I want to be pure in heart because I want to see God. I want to be hungry for righteousness. So fill me, God. In Jesus' name, amen.